0: Proverbs 7, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress, with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward, her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egypt, Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home, he has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him. At full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, O oh sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would come by your spirit, that you would help me this morning. Would you open our eyes that we would see wonderful things in your law. I pray for the gift of illumination that you would open our eyes, help us to see. May the effect of our being together this morning is that we love Jesus more because we saw his glory, and his beauty in the scriptures. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday afternoon, I had the privilege of going golfing with my two older sons, um, two of my best friends, 33, and October will be 32. Um, and the the goal of the golf uh, event was one to... To play golf, because we like to play golf. Secondly, to be together, uh, because I love, love, love. It's the best time ever when I hang out with my boys. Uh, to check in. Uh, it wasn't, didn't take very long. Maybe the second hole, where I was able to look them in the eyes. It's been a while and say, how's your soul? through the various course of the holes and different course discourse and conversation, it ended this way as we were putting our golf bags into our cars and giving hugs and communicating, expressing our love for one another. I ended this time together by saying, boys, keep your eyes on Jesus. Our passage this morning is cast in the form of a father giving instruction to his son. I don't think they were on a golf course. but It's a warning to the son to avoid the sexually promiscuous woman. He's urging him to keep his words as though it was God speaking to the son. Treasure them. Get wisdom. Why? Because they're going to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. It's warning against the adulteress and the prostitute that, that has been a major reoccurring theme so far in the book of Proverbs in chapter 2 and in chapter 5 and in chapter 6 and now a full chapter committed to this topic in chapter 7, our text this morning. The father's remedy for promiscuity is treasure the word of God. His remedy is to stay away from her, you need to treasure the word of God. Seems a little outdated, doesn't it? Maybe it's maybe it's just a bit too simple. You're not really going to tell me that if I have a devotional life or that if I read my Bible I'm going to be kept from sexual temptation, are you? Yes. I think this morning we need to hear these words as words from our Heavenly Father to us. Calling us to treasure His words. Treasure His words which will keep us from sexual temptation. Let me say at the outset that all this, although this text is, is about a sexually promiscuous woman, it could have just as easily been about a promiscuous, immoral man. So this morning, both men and women, we are all included. We must all pay close attention. Teenagers, singles, married couples. My first point this morning is treasure God's word. Treasuring God's word will keep you from sexual temptation. Verses 1 to 5, we see... Versus, these, we see these, this graphic comparison, these graphic comparisons. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my words, what he's saying, keep my words as you would keep treasure. Keep my words as you would keep treasure. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If we love this book, And we treasure this book. Our hearts will be towards this book and not elsewhere. Keep my words as you would keep treasure. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my words as you would your life. Keep my words as you would your life. He goes on to say, keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Keeping my words as you would the tenderest part of your anatomy. The pupil in your eye is what he's saying. It's the most sensitive part. It's the. Have you ever had just the smallest speck of dust get in your eye? Isn't it just the worst? It It must be protected. It must be precious. I was gone uh, on a trip at, a, at the uh, pastor's college many years ago and while i was there um, i was wearing contacts and i wore contacts around the clock for too many days and one like stuck on my eye and it was brutal and i ended up to go go seeing an eye doctor because my eye was going berserk and i found out that my cornea i had a scratched or even worse It was terrible. The eye doctor said, You need to get on an airplane and go home immediately and get someone to to help you, or you're going to lose your eye. I didn't play around and think, Well, I got four more days at the pastor's college. I need to finish this paper. I just got on a plane immediately and came home because I wanted to protect that eye. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. If it's precious, if your sight is precious, hold on to it, keep it. It's interesting that God Himself considers His people this precious. We read in Deuteronomy 32, 9-10, to 10, But the Lord's portion is His people, Jacob, His allotted inher- His heritage. He found them in a desert land, and in the howling waste of the wilderness, He encircled him, He cared for him, He kept him as the apple of His eye. When we truly understand that God sees us as this precious in his sight, this ought to be the motivating factor to want to live our lives, to walk in a manner worthy of this great book. The one who loved us so much is worthy of us keeping his words as we would being consumed with wanting to keep our eyesight. Keep keep my words as you would Something that is of value to to you, like a ring on your finger. Bind them on your fingers. Keep my words deep in your heart. So it's much more than going through a reading plan, a Bible reading plan. God's promises under the new covenant is that He would put His laws within us and write them on our hearts. It's so much more than this book being external to us. It's about getting this book inside us. That's what he's saying. He's saying, treat it as if it's your life. Treat it as if it's treasure. Treat it as if your eyesight is absolutely precious to you. Bind this book on your finger. Keep it it on your finger so that there's a reminder constantly of the fact that you need this book inside you. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Keep my words as you would cherish your intimate friends or close relatives. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call insight your intimate friend. Sister here is not a reference to a sibling, but of a bride in Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9, we read, You have captured my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. The use of sister, Tremper Longman says, is, is a term of endearment between couples in the Near East and Egypt and is now well documented. What, what is he saying when we, we keep... When we take God's word and we, we treat it like treasure, we treat it, we treat it like our, our eyesight, we treat it as as our very life. He says, This will keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now the forbidden woman can mean a, a non Israelite woman, it could also be a person who's outside the bonds of your marriage covenant. The adulteress, also meaning one who is alien to the marriage covenant. Keeping God's word, treasuring God's word will keep us, the scripture says, from the forbidden woman. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 119.11. I have stored up your word in my heart. I've stored it up in my heart that I might not sin against you. Is that, is your heart engaged in that way with the scriptures? Is your heart, do you love this book? Is it treasure to you? Is it life itself? Is it deep in your heart? Jesus said of the Jewish leaders in John 5, 39 to 40, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they who bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Reading, but missing the main point was what they were doing. It's possible to search the scriptures, but not have Jesus, not love Jesus, not delight in Jesus, not allow this book to cause you to to be transformed from the inside out. The scriptures point us to Christ. The scriptures are about an intimate relationship with the person, Jesus Christ. I can't stress this enough. The greatest deterrent from sexual temptation is finding life in Jesus, the Word made flesh. Jesus is the all-satisfying treasure. My, My children growing up, when they were younger, I remember just teaching them and, and having conversation about what a devotional life looked like. And often we would sit at the dinner table and i would say, how's it going? What did you read this morning? And often in those conversations, you would hear sometimes, well, I've been reading in the Gospel of John for the last three or four days, but I don't, don't really feel like I'm getting anything out of it. As they grew and they began, continued to search the scriptures, read the scriptures, there was, there was a growing understanding of the scriptures, but often still that same, that same reply, I don't feel like I'm getting much out of it. I've always said to my own soul, preach to my own soul as I'm going through a Bible reading plan like I am right now. If day two, day three, day four, I'm just kind of going through the motions and there's a disconnect in my soul, my heart is not engaged. I'm wondering what's happening. I'm I'm like, Lord, I I feel like my heart has drifted and, and I need you to come. I need you to open my eyes that I would see wonderful things in your law. I need you to speak to me. This this book needs to be living and active in our lives. This book needs to, when we read it, Christ needs to jump out of the pages of this book. How long has it been since you've been going through your Bible reading plan where you felt the touch of God upon your soul as you opened the scriptures. How long has it been? This is going to keep you from the forbidden woman. Milton Vinson and the Gospel Primer says, Though saved, I am daily beset by a sinful flesh that always craves those things that are contrary to the Spirit. Would you say amen to that? These fleshly lusts are vicious enemies, constantly waging war against the good of my soul. And yet they promise me fullness, and their promises are deliciously sweet, that I often find myself giving in to them as if they were. Friends that have my best interests at heart. On the most basic of levels, I desire fullness and fleshly lust seduce me by attaching themselves to this basic desire. They exploit the empty spaces within me and they promise that fullness will be mine if I give in to their demands. Listen, when my soul sits empty and is aching for something to fill it, Such deceptive promises are extremely difficult to resist. And he goes on to say the key to mortifying lusts is to eliminate the empty spaces within me and replace it with fullness. What does he mean? He says, In the gospel, I experience a God who glorifies himself by filling me with his fullness. Jesus said, He who continually, continually comes to me will never hunger or thirst again. What happens to my appetite for sin when I am filled with Christ? My hunger for sin diminishes and the lies of lust simply lose their appeal. And I love this. He says, to the degree that I am full of Jesus, I am free from sin. Eyes do not rove nor do fleshly lust rule when the heart is fat with the love of Jesus. To the degree that I am full, I am free. I am full of Jesus, I am free psalmist writes over and over again in psalm 119 i find delight in your commands i love your commands i love your laws it's my meditation day and night i love your commands above gold above fine gold i rejoice at your words like one who finds great soil a spoil my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times is that our heart Do we we love this book? Do we delight in this book? And is Jesus sweeter than everything else that's out there? Because in the end, whether it's the forbidden woman or it's another sin, we will run after that sin and we will long for that sin unless we have a fresh revelation of the glory and the majesty of Jesus and that He is more satisfying and sweeter than all that the world can offer. There's an old song that used to say, I would rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I would rather have him than riches untold. And I don't remember the rest, but I remember my mom singing it. I'd rather have Jesus more than anything this old world could afford. Is, is that us? Do we love this book and we, we want Jesus? We want, we want to live our lives. We want to walk in a manner worthy of the love that Jesus has shown us. Treasuring God's word will keep you from sexual temptation. It will keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. One of the ways in which she seduces her prey is with her smooth words. Proverbs three, Proverbs 5, sorry, verse 3. We read, The lips of a forbidden woman drip honey speech is smoother than oil. In chapter 7, we read that she's, verse 11, loud and wayward. Verse 21, with much seductive speech, she persuades him with her smooth talk. She compels him. Listen, you're either going to treasure God's word and hide it deep within your heart, or you're going to be led astray by someone else's words. And that's my second point Fail to treasure God's word and you find yourself treasuring someone else's words. In verses 6 to 23, the father now gives his son this powerful dramatization of seduction. Our culture is always trying to sell us something, aren't they? Everyone has an angle. Everyone wants to convince you with their words that what they have, you need. If you're not grounded in God's word, if Jesus is not the all-satisfying treasure, we're easily led astray to listen to the many other voices that are often louder in our lives than God's word. The illustration that the Father uses in these next 15 or so verses Shows a young man who's led astray by believing a lie. By failing to treasure God's word. It's it's the same old, same old of Genesis chapter 3. Nothing has changed. If you do this, then this will happen. Verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice. And I've seen among the simple, I've perceived... Among the youths, a young man lacking sense. As the darkness begins to fall, there's a young man aimlessly heading towards destruction. Seems that the father is reporting the events from God's perspective. He's looking down, he's seeing this young man from God's objective position. God, the one who sees our every move, who knows our every motive, He's the one watching. As Psalms 33 verses 13 to 15 remind us, the Lord looks down from heaven; He sees all the children of man from where He sits enthroned. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth, He who fashions the heart of them all, and observe all their deeds. There's this group of young people, simple people, naive, untaught, inexperienced, gullible, easily convinced, lacking discernment. They unwisely are opening, they open themselves up to various people and influences easily. The father focuses his story on one young man in the mix, lacking sense, lacking experience and discernment. It's not an IQ problem. His problem is that he isn't grounded and he doesn't consider the cost of his actions. He's okay doing his daily devotions, but his heart is disengaged. He's going through the motions outwardly and yet externally there's nothing happening. He's quick to get over with them so he can get on with his day and focus on listening to the many other voices. passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight in the evening at the time of night and darkness. He's listening to himself. He's listened long enough to take a walk. You ever been there? Temptation doesn't just come out of nowhere, but you've been listening to yourself for a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden... You listen long enough to say, well, I don't think it's going to hurt if I just take a walk. If I just stay up a little past my wife and look on my device for an hour. Husbands, wives... When your joy is in Jesus, you find real joy in your spouse. And when your joy isn't in Jesus, you will listen to yourself and you will take a walk. It starts so innocently, a little drift here and a little drift there. I know a couple Married for thirty-five years, he's a pastor. The last year of her, of their marriage, uh, his wife began seeing a counselor, and the counselor said to her, "They really had given their life for the church. Worked very diligently. She was always very involved." Counselor said to her, you need to quit thinking about others and you need to focus on you. And so she took that to, the, to heart and she began to have an emotional affair with a Guy at work and it led to an actual affair and it led to moving out and, and hooking up and moving in with the man she had an affair with. You might say, that would never happen to me, but maybe you're innocently lingering in the evenings on the internet. One night with a few pictures of women, maybe in a bathing suit, leads to another night with maybe women wearing nothing, and on and on it goes. Husbands, wives, singles, teenagers, this sermon is for all of us. Jesus said in Matthew 5:27 to 28, You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It goes the other way as well, ladies, if you look at a man with lustful intent. An article written by Austin Fruits in the Josh McDowell Ministries, he says the reach of the porn industry is mind-boggling. One study found that porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. This was written last year. Porn now accounts for a third of all internet traffic. More than 91% of men and 60% of women have reported consuming pornography in the past month. 79% of men and 76% of women ages 18 to 30 view pornography at least once a month. 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography sexting has become all the rage listen at the heart of this at the root of this is looking for something to satisfy when this alone can satisfy but it's not just a book it's not just a dead book it's a living book it's an active book it's a book That when we sit down and we say, Holy Spirit, I need you to awaken this book and show me Jesus. Show me that he's better than everything else. He will. 60 to 72% of men and 24 to 30% of women in the church are sex addicts. It's a slippery slope. Behold, a woman meets him, verse 10, dressed as a prostitute, wild of heart. Notice it doesn't say she's a prostitute, but rather she's dressed like one. She may have been maybe possibly tired of her husband ignoring her, and so she's, she's going to dress in a way that someone will pay attention to her. Her appearance captures her prey. She's dressed to kill She's worldly wise. She has this young man, this naive man, a man without discernment in her sights. He may have been looking for her, but she's been looking for him in full view long before he was looking for her. In 11 and 12, she is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and every corner she lies in wait. She has an agenda. She's intentional. Listen, the the, the, the temptations out there—they the, are intentional. The the our flesh, the world, and the devil are always intentional. She wants to be where the men are gathered to do business in the street, in the market, in every corner. She wants to be on the move. She's. She's restless and unsatisfied, never satisfied with her current situation, always wanting more. She seizes him, verse 13, and kisses him. This is is happening in a culture where a woman was not allowed to expose any part of her arm or ankle in public. This is a bold move on her part. One commentary said it was a shock akin to a lightning strike. His personal, moral, and cultural limits were shattered in an instant. And if not for the rush of a sensual arousal that shot through his body, he likely would have recoiled and run. But he didn't. and Neither do we. John Kitchen writes, she knows her business. She is in control. He is nearly subdued. And beyond protest and struggle with her words, she will now tighten the noose around his neck. With bold face, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices today. I've paid my vows. Leviticus seven eleven to eighteen speaks of the peace offering. Probably this is the offering that's being referred to here. Part of the offering was offered to God, and the other portion you took home when you would gather your family together for then you'd gather your family together for a great feast. The offering was made to fulfill your vow to God. She uses Scripture to ease her own conscience and the conscience of this young man. Listen, when you've given into temptation this much, you set aside what you know to be true and you listen to words that will soothe your guilty conscience, don't you? I'll bet you've heard this said, or maybe you've even said it yourself at some point. He will forgive me. After all, God wants me to be happy. Since when? If it feels so good, how can it be so wrong? Verses 15 to 21. So now I come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I've found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, color linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him at full moon he will come home with much seductive speech. She persuades him. If we don't treasure this, these words of Christ, then we will find ourselves listening to. We will treasure these words. We'll treasure the lies that that that, that, that is speaking in our mind to our own hearts. We'll treasure our own listening to ourselves. We'll treasure words will it will transition from listening to ourselves to listening to others she's selling her goods she's convincing the young man notice it's from the street to the couch to the bedroom her bed coverings are the finest linens from egypt beautiful expensive exotic perfumes probably both purchased or traded by her husband who was a merchant away on a business trip. She finally says, everything is ready. Let's enjoy the full extent of sexual pleasure all night. And again, John Kitchen writes saying, the harlot urges the young man to drop all his inhibition for one night, to lay aside his scruples just this once and to bring into the physical sphere what he has heretofore entertained only in mind. This is not love, this is lust. This is sexual passion without commitment. A one-night stand instead of a lifetime together through storms and struggles, highs and lows, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Verse 22 to 23 tells us that all at once he follows her. He listens to her. He buys in. He follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces his liver and a bird, or as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. When the pleasurable moment is over, someone will have to pay for it, and it will be very costly. Under the Mosaic law, this could be death. If not death, Proverbs, we read last week, 6, 32 and 33, says he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. Believing the lie that if I get this one thing, I will be happy. We've walked away from treasuring god's word because when we treasure god's word we understand that christ alone can satisfy and now O sons 24 listen to me and be attentive to my words in my mouth let not your heart turn aside to her ways do not stray into her path, for many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain or a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chamber of death. In these closing verses, 24 to 27, the chapter ends with direct application given to the son from his father. And this direct application from the Father to the Son, is applicable to us this morning as well. And quickly in closing, I want to say, guard your heart. Verse 25, let your heart not turn aside to her ways. Guard your heart. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Guard your mind. Guard your heart with the gospel. Remember whose you are and who you are in Christ. Stay close to Jesus. Don't stray into her path. Be attentive to my words. Listen to me. I'm a speaking God that wants to meet you every time you open the scriptures. If it's been a week and nothing's happened in your Bible reading, then get on your face and say, God, I need you to come. I need you to speak to me. I need you to show me Jesus afresh that I would see him as the all-satisfying treasure. And then look past her to the countless casualties. All her slain are a mighty throng. These three chapters, Proverbs 5 to 7, show us that there's more going on than meets the eye. This is a spiritual war. Never, never underestimate the enemies of your soul. Life and death and relationships are involved. Verse 27 See her house. It's the way to Sheol. See her victims. Many went down this path and died. See the evil one who's behind all this, this, the deceiver and the accuser. But then see Christ. See someone better. See Christ. This morning, Crossridge, see Christ. Christ, I I don't care if you've gone down that road, if you have gone too far down that road and you say, there's no way I can turn back. This morning, you need to see Christ as the all-satisfying treasure. If you're in the beginning of thinking of going down that road and listening to yourself, this morning, can I encourage you to see Christ as the all-satisfying treasure? Find this book, open up this book, and let it be treasure to you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we ask that you would help us to treasure you. Your promise is that it would keep us, it would keep us from sexual temptation. Lord, that temptation is so strong all around us. Images, pictures, everywhere we turn, everywhere we look. We're asking you, Lord, to help us. Would you you fill us afresh with your spirit? Would you show us Jesus and all his glory? Maybe there's some this morning that, that have just done things because they were told or taught to do these things, but there's never been a real engagement of their heart. I pray this morning that there would be just calling out and saying, God, would you open your word to me and help me see the all-satisfying treasure and that Jesus is better than anything this world has to offer. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.